Ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the ho on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I heard you had a uh, quite an exciting weekend at a Shaka Watch party up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. I went to uh, I went to the Shaka Watch party at the Tetonia Manicor in Pittsburgh. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Shaka USA were there. I got to meet some of the the team there behind the Twitter, and so it was a really fun time. The people at the bar were awesome. Uh, so shout out to both of them for hosting it. It was a great event. Great to meet some of those those people there. Um, a lot of turnout. So I, you know, I I don't know about you, but if I if I'm going to his watch parties, I don't know how the ones you go. You go to one St. Louis, right? You've been there a couple times. Yeah, I've been there like literally once, but okay. I, I will make it down again eventually. But so I, I don't know how I was there, but when I was went to this thing, I I knew it was going to be at a German bar, and so I'm not exactly sure how many people are going to show up, right? And I'm thinking there's going to be a good turnout, right? But how many people know about Schalke, right? So I get to this bar right at game time, and so I'm thinking yeah, I'm just going to find a table and then get set up and whatever. I get there and it's packed, wall to wall people, all Schalke jerseys around. I mean, it's an awesome sight, and I did not expect that at all. I'm like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, oh, there's nowhere to stand. So I found me a little place to stand. But uh, yeah, I got to got to meet the people from from Shaka and also uh, some people from the River House and the, and the bar owner. And some so of the did, fans. We, did we get a selfie with Irwin? We did. It was a poor selfie, but we got one. <laughs> um, if I haven't shared it yet, I will share it on on, on the podcast Twitter. But uh, yeah, I was trying to get a picture with you know my my little my little baby and him. Um, and every time Irwin was out to take pictures, he was feeding or cranky, and I was like, ah, I can't do this. And so uh, finally, Irwin came around, and I was like, forget it. I'm going to take a selfie. I just grabbed the camera and took a picture there. So, uh, yeah, I got a selfie with him. Uh, whether Irwin knew it or not, I don't know. But uh, it's it's there for everyone to see on camera. So Well, there you go. Sounds like an awesome time. I tend to watch most of these Schalke games by myself in my apartment. Uh, so certainly not that kind of atmosphere. Uh, so I'm glad you uh, went out and did that. That's cool. Yeah, and Schalke actually provided Velton's beers, which is pretty awesome. So There we go. That's what it was, and it's okay to drink uh, before noon when you're having a little party like that. So uh, you know, we won't say how early we started drinking. Is there. it not okay to drink before noon normally? Typically, no. It's I guess it's frowned <laughs> upon in the uh, Western world. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I'll take I'll take note of that. That's a little tidbit for all you listeners out there. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, how was your weekend? Overall, good. Yeah, it was good. Would have been better if picked up a dub but uh yeah not a bad result all things considered uh it is what it is but let's uh let's get up and get on the program well before we get to the program uh we do got to mention that um on my way up to pittsburgh uh as many of you i'm sure heard there was unfortunately a, ma a mass shooting in pittsburgh at the synagogue over there in squirrel hill um so you know we send our you know our deepest condolences to all the all the families and and and, and people in you know, that were involved in this or uh, affected by this. Um, it was a senseless act, and it's nothing nothing not what you want to hear when you go up to see a uh, a viewing party of anything that you know something happens in the city that you're going to or in the city that you live in. Uh, so our thoughts and prayers go out to all that. And, uh, uh, did you did you hear about this? Uh, I assume you heard about this, Jack. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just exactly what you said. That I mean, there's really no words for it, other than it's just an absolutely horrific senseless evil act and um yeah not a not a great weekend for you to have been in pittsburgh but we hope uh everyone there is recovering from that and and healing and trying to get on with it because that's it's a tragedy and people are going to try to get over it and we are going to try to also help with that um we got some news of our of our own trying to lighten the mood and so hopefully we can do that here today um Jack, uh, we have that segment again. Uh, it says random uh, 
news articles that we find that I find around the world. Yeah, you yeah, find don't, as don't well. drag me into this. I have no part with whatever <laughs> random news sources you try to bring into this podcast. You well, know, I, I mean, you're over here hunting out the absolute apex of journalism. <laughs> That's sarcasm. Yeah. Anyway, uh. Uh, well, let's, uh, the first article comes to us from the Hurry Yet Daily News. Um, it talks about the injury. The injury. Hurry Up Daily News. Hurry what? Yet. Hurry Yet. Where is it from? I don't know, but it's Hurry Yet. Okay. H-U-R-R-I-Y-E-T. Look it up. Uh, injury hit Galatasaray's 600th European win against Schalke. This is obviously talking about the, the Champions League encounter that they had midweek. Um, the line was uh, Galatasaray will look for a repeat of its dominant home performance against Schalke as the club also looks for its 100th victory in European competitions. Galatasaray came out on top when the teams met in 2012-2013 in Champions League round of 16. A 1-1 draw in Istanbul left the tie in the balance, but the Turkish side, coached then as now by Tarim, uh, Fatih Tarim, uh, progressed to the last eight thanks to a 3-2 win in Gelsenkirchen. Um, so basically this article just was, was talking about how uh, Galatasaray, you know, it's long history in the Champions League. We're streaking its hundredth win, and how they they got a win on us and and at our expense. So um, nothing really to. I just wanted to say the name Hurry Yet Daily News. Um, it was very uh, very odd, and I don't know where it's from. Actually, usually I know where these articles have come from, but I have no idea. And I think yeah, glad was, to see that Galatasaray isn't living in the past. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Two thousand twelve. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, well, that takes us to our second uh, article. It comes from the Daily News Egypt. So I do know where that one comes from. Um, the lines, and, I re- and I, the reason I chose this one because it had a, a line that I loved, and it's cracked me up every time I read it. Uh, but here's a little, a little s- a summary of what it says in the article. Uh, in an intimate atmosphere in Istanbul, Schalke showed plenty of grit, but not enough quality. Domenico Tedesco's side quickly found themselves in a gritty European game with both sides playing well, but unable to thread the final pass. Teammates were either offside or in the wrong spot at the time of the pass, leaving the game goalless but not short of excitement. Now my favorite portion of the article. Just before the break, both keepers made brilliant saves to keep things level. First, Nubles faced denied former uh, Bundesliga player Aaron Derdiok from just yards out. Yes, a face save by Nubel. Um, did you catch that save uh, in the I did game? did catch that save. I did. That was uh, a, a facial if I've never seen one before. Uh, but hey, it kept it out of the net. So this the this reading that that you know he made a great save with his face denying a dirty uh This made me crack up every time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, probably not the the most ideal body to stop a shot from from close range. But you got to do what you got to do. There are worse body parts that you could save it with. And maybe okay, maybe, this is a family friendly podcast. Let's move <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last article. It's a family friendly uh, podcast as long as I'm not talking about DeSanto. At that point, I can't guarantee that it's a family friendly podcast. Then we say earmuffs, right? Yeah, exactly. The last article comes to us from Complete Sports Nigeria. <laughs> Skribisk, the, the, the title of this is Skribisky keen, keen to Get Going at Schalke. Schalke Steven Skribisky has set his sights on making an impact at the club after finally making his long awaited debut. Skribitsky got his chance on Wednesday replacing Yevhen Konoplyanka after 77 minutes of that goalless Champions League draw with Galatasaray. And this article really just went into more about how um, Skribinsky, how he came in from Union Berlin, how he's really been chomping at the bit, not really getting an opportunity to play with the team yet, and finally he making his debut last weekend, and then you know making also an appearance in, this, in the Champions League game. Um, this player is someone we've been talking about on the show, how we think he can make an impact on a team only if he gets his opportunity. Uh, the few moments that you've seen him on the pitch, uh, what have you made of, 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 of Skrbinski? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he can make an impact or not, but the people that are on the pitch consistently, generally speaking, aren't making an impact. So you might as well give this guy a shot. I mean, yeah, as you said, you bring him in from Union Berlin, and I mean, it takes him well, like a quarter. I mean, quarter of the way through the season almost to to get any minutes. Yeah. With the team, um, I mean, we certainly have enough competitions where we can rotate people in and out. So, yeah, I was glad to see him get a little bit of a cameo. Um, I think he had at least one. Uh, solid opportunity later on in the match that uh, resulted in a save. Uh, wasn't able to put that one away. But, uh, you know, yeah, I'm hoping to see a little bit more of him going forward now and again. Uh, as am I. Um, I. I've seen a lot of him when he was at Union Berlin, and uh, I, was, I was hoping that he could bring something to Schalke. And I still do think, hope he can bring something to, to the team. Uh, but we'll see if he gets the time. You I mean, saw a lot of him when he was at Union. Did you watch Spider Bundesliga that, that regularly? 
I just watch Union Berlin that regularly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm probably the only person in the U.S. who probably does that, but hey, you know, I maybe outside of Berlin, I'm the only person that does that. But uh, it is what it is. Um, you know, but you know, guys like Toykert, we've been you know had a lot of hope, high hopes for, and he too is not getting much pitch time. Maybe five minutes here, five minutes there, but mm-hmm. um, hopefully we get to see these guys get more pitch time as as the season progresses. Hopefully sooner than later. Uh, quick rundown on today's show. Uh, we will talk about the Galatasaray match and the Champions League from last Wednesday, and then uh, the Leipzig match from this weekend. However, before we get to that, I want to play a little game called Vilibidish. Um, how this works, I will ask the panel some multiple choice questions on Schalke Nulfir, and whoever answers most correct wins. Now, since there are no panel, there's no yeah, panel I was tonight. Say, what are you talking about? <laughs> since there's no panel tonight, it is just Jack and I. So we'll have to raise the stakes, if you will, uh, add some risk. So if Jack answers zero questions correct, I'll be looking for a new co host. No pressure, Jack. Uh, are you ready? I mean, that, that co-host search was probably long overdue anyway, so let's just speed up the process. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get exposed here, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for this. All right. Number one. Uh, we're only going to ask three questions here. Uh, in which city do Schalke and Fear play their home games? A, Cottbus, B, Gelsenkirchen, C, Hamburg, or D, Garmisch-Partikinen? Gesundheit on the last one. Uh, I believe it was B, Gelsenkirchen. Correct. You got one and you get to stay on the show, Jack. Uh, Schalke is the suburb of Gelsenkirchen in which the club was founded. Gelsenkirchen is located in the Ruhr Valley, Germany's industrial center in the state of North Rhine-Westphalia. There are approximately 300,000 people who live in Gelsenkirchen, just in case you did not know that. Not too far away from uh, Essen, the ninth largest city in Germany. And I believe the birthplace of uh, Aldi, the great... Uh, grocery store chain here in the United States. I shop there every weekend. Shout out to Aldi with uh, uh, other fans of the show. <laughs> it's a great spot. Absolutely. All right, number two. This gets a little bit harder. Schalke were formed in 1904. When did they win the first German League Championship? Hint, it was before the Bundesliga was found, as, as you know. So your mm. options are A, 1972, B, no, it was earlier than that. 1949, C, 1934, D, 1958. I want to say it's 34 because I know that we had a good stretch back. This is bad. I don't know my Shaga history. I want to say 34. Um, it's definitely not 70 unless like you're tricking me with like the, the specific name of the league at that point in time. But so your answer is C, 1934. That is correct. Schalke were German champions in 1934, 35, 37, 39, 40, 42, and 58, which were all, as we said, pre-Bundesliga. Uh, so you're two for two on this one. You know, I, you know, I feel like I should give you some, uh, what do they do doing these game shows? It's a little sound they have, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So number three, when the club was founded, many of its players worked in the same profession. And even decades later, the club was still associated with this profession. Which one is it, Jack? Uh, A, coal mining. B, uh, we're, we're, apparently there's only two, <laughs> two options here. So it's either coal mining or teaching. Did you not write the questions? Why are I, you surprised by that? <laughs> I did, and apparently I deleted stuff. So it's either coal mining or teaching. You get two options. 50-50 here, Jack. <laughs> Oh, it's a tough one, man. I'm gonna have to go with coal mining. Absolutely correct. Uh, in the early early stages of the European football leagues, the pay was so low that players were unable to live from just playing football. Therefore, they all had to have a job as a footballer and a coal miner in Germany's industrial center. Um, it would be interesting if their if their player tunnel was like a, a replica of a classroom. With live students in there that the players <laughs> had to walk through, that would be interesting. That's uh, as that opposed is to true. the uh, the mine shaft replica. Uh, exactly, it'll probably make more sense. Maybe not. Who knows? Okay, I gave you fifty fifty on this. So you were uh, three for three on that one. I gave you easy ones. We'll 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 amp up the uh, difficulty as it goes on. And there's different games. I'm gonna we're gonna we'll play here, but uh, we kept it easy for the first one. So um, enough of this fun and games, Jack. Uh, shall we get the show on the road? I'm going to need a couple minutes to uh, recover from that that high-stakes quiz game. But, yeah, I'm good to go. All 
Alrighty, alrighty. Let's get the show on the road. Um, yeah. So the first game we're gonna talk about is the Champions League encounter with Galatasaray. It was um uh, a very interesting game. Uh, obviously, it was in Istanbul. The game ended zero zero. We talked about this last podcast. How going into Galatasaray, going to Istanbul, would be difficult just based on the atmosphere alone, and let alone this team is what what would we say twenty one time. Uh, domestic champions and whatnot. Um, overall, uh, how do you think the game turned out for us? I thought it was. I mean, it was a very frustrating game in the sense that it ended in a draw and we didn't notch any goals. But what's that bell in the background? Sorry, I finally got it to work. <laughs> Five minutes later. Okay, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I completely lost my train of thought. I derailed the on. show. Okay, no, it's all good. Um, uh, but I will say that I thought it was one of Schalke's better attacking displays of the season. I think it. I mean, you can make the argument that it was Schalke's best performance overall for the entire year. Yeah, and it it did start out a little rough, uh, as you would as you would expect. The home team um, kind of you know showed their muscle and, and kind of tried to dictate the play of the game. But as the game went on, uh, Schalke did seem to impose himself and get chance after chance. Um, what did you make of the lineup? And, and for the lineup, for those who didn't who didn't catch the game, uh, Alexander Nubel again was in net. Uh, in defense, you had Kalajiri, Sane, Nastasic, uh, midfield, Stambouli, Serdar, Rudy, Uth, Mendel, uh, and then up at top, you had Konoplyanka and Mbolo. So, um, yeah, like I said, as we were saying, Chaka had some good opportunities in this game, and it's something that I wasn't really expecting being on the road at a place as hostile as Istanbul. Yeah, we had talked about that being, you know, a tough place to play on Champions League nights, for sure. Um, I, I think the the two main talking points for me from a lineup perspective would have been Mark Oot in a somewhat deeper role, uh, which was interesting to see. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that later. But then also uh, Kanaplianka back up top. And you know I am the world's largest Kanaplianka advocate, so I'm always happy to see him included. He can be frustrating sometimes with his uh his lack of execution but the one thing i've said all last season and i will continue to say now is um i would rather see somebody creating opportunities and not putting them away than no one creating any opportunities at all and one of my la liga friends they were asking me like hey what why isn't kodoplianka playing more and i'm and i i don't have an answer because i don't know what tedesco's thinking in my opinion Hari and Konoplyanka should be playing every game because they are our only playmakers. And yeah, like you said, they're frustrating at times, but they also bring that moment of brilliance that you're like, oh my goodness, that's what we need. They can open up a game. They're the X factor. And you need at least one of them on the pitch at all times, I, I would think, if not both. And so it's good to see him on the pitch at times like that. And, you know, speaking of Konoplyanka, um, uh, in the 13th minute early in the game, I mean, Daniel Calgary set up Konoplyanka with a great opportunity he did try to go for like a cheeky chip shot with just miss and he was taken out by the goalie. Do you think that was a penalty for you? I think the reason they didn't call it a penalty is because uh, there was, I mean, there's no way that Conoplanka was going to get to that ball because the defender was, was right there and basically cleared it um, immediately. Uh, Muslera did catch Conoplanka and did not win the ball. So, I mean, like, I, I guess in theory you, you could have called that, um, I wasn't super upset about it just because, like I said, there, I mean, there's no way that ball's going in. There's no way he gets by Muslera if he isn't taken out and is able to um, catch up to that thing before the defender clears it. Do you think the the attempt at a chip shot was more of trying to avoid getting hit by the goalie or just actually him going for something cheeky? I think it was a result of his act- actually his first touch, which if I'm not mistaken, might have been off his chest. Um, I, I think the ball was played by Caliguri and it bounced in front of him and he ran onto it um, and, and played it with his chest. And I think he it took a little bit of a heavy touch and, and it right. went a little bit further. So he, he didn't have time to control it and take a shot. Muslera was running out and he, all he could really do was it, was chip it over him. So I think it was just more what he was forced into rather than any sort of you know conscious strategy of how he was going to go about attacking goal there. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, it was an early, early shot for Shaka and it was a sign of good things to come. Maybe not from a scoreboard, you know, standpoint, but at least they were putting up a lot of uh, chances on, against, uh, against the Istanbul club. And 
And it's a very welcome sign because that's something that the team seems to be lacking is as offensive opportunities. What did you make? You know, we were talking about Uth being a little bit deeper than normal. What did you make of him being in the midfield? What do you think Tedesco was thinking? I mean, he's he is a speedster per se compared to, I guess, Guido Bergsteller. But um, what do you think he, the reason, main reason he was put in there? Because it's, it's not a position we typically see Mark Uth in. It's either a striker or winger or or something to that effect, but not in the and not in the midfield like he was in this one. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been working very hard all season so far, um, just because of the lack of service that there's been, and so there's been a lot of games where he's been chasing things down and dropping a little deeper as it is, even from that uh, that more advanced role. Um, and I don't know, maybe Tedesco saw him doing that, and you know, figured he might as well give him a shot in the midfield. Um, and that that would allow you, I guess, to bring you know an additional speedy player on top, um, and then you know Ute can always break forward from the midfield in certain positions. I don't know, maybe that's what he was kind of going for. I'm not sure. Um, I actually did not see if if there were any post match comments from Mark Ute about that. I'd be curious to see what his opinion was if he said anything about how he felt playing in that position. Um, <sighs> I'm not like necessarily upset about anything. It just, it just once again, it, it's yet, yet yet another kind of strange decision from Tedesco, and it just kind of reeks of not not desperation, but just like you kind of wonder like what's he's trying going to be on. too cute. Like, he's almost trying to be too cute. Or, yeah, I mean, you know, you have McKenny playing at striker, and you have Oot playing in the midfield, and it's, you, you kind of wonder after a while, like you know, like he's the hipster manager. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if you really want to get you know three attackers on the field, then you know play a four three three or something. I don't know, like. You know, get get Ood out wide. You know, put these guys in a position where they can maximize, you know, some of the uh, attacking qualities that they have. Don't just like stick somebody in the midfield or you know whatever. I don't know. It's it's just strange to me. That's that's all it is. I, I don't think it was. You know, and, and hey, you know what? Schalke had an excellent game. I'm not saying that that was largely because of Ood in that position, but you know, I think in terms of the overall performance, it certainly didn't hurt the team. Um, so I guess I can't criticize it in that sense, but. I mean, yeah. Like, what's what's your take on this? I'm I'm on the same lines because I'm like, why instead of trying to do something different and be too cute, just you, you you by now you should know where what their players you know strengths and weaknesses are. Even the new players at this point of the season, um, so put them in a position that's going to be more advantageous for your for your team to be successful. Uh, we know Konoplyanka and Harit are going to be playmakers for you, so you want to have them up in an attacking role. Whether it be up in striker or just behind, just behind them in a ten position, Mark Uth, you know, he's a hard worker. He can obviously score goals. He's done it in the past, but put him on a wing or something somewhere he can support the main striker. You know, get your get your hardworking striker up there, either you know Bergstaller or Toykut or something. You have enough. You know that you know the guys at your disposal. Put them in the right position to to win, to 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 get results. And and he's not doing that yet. He just keeps. Like he's just tweaking things here and there and trying to see what works and what doesn't. And so far, nothing's really sticking. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm on the same same line as you. And uh, st- speaking of sticking is something kind of we just referred to before. Uh, there were uh, a flurry of opportunities just before halftime. One, uh, Alexander Nubel with his face save in the 45th minute, point blank, on the um, on the Galatasaray player. And then Konplianka decides, you know, he's going to follow that up and and take the take the ball all the way down the pitch. He gets a, sh- a great shot off. It's paired away by Bus Lara, and it, uh we go to halftime zero zero. And the game went obviously ended zero zero. But um, again, Konplianka is a guy we said who who can create opportunities in there again, uh, just like at the beginning of the game. At the end of the game, he's at the end of the first half, uh, creating an opportunity, and and Bus Lara was forced to make a big save to keep it zero zero. Yeah, I mean, so first let me talk about that face save by Newble. Um, I mean, it, it, less about the the actual save, which is really just sort of positioning and luck. But um, something bothered me about that goal, and this is, I mean, it's maybe a little bit nitpicky, but that ball gets played into. I forget the the Galatasaray player that ultimately played that final ball in, but um, was it was it Dediok who took that shot? Do you know? No, I think he's maybe the one set it up. I think it was Rodriguez who got the no, shot. No, I think it is. I think it is Dediak who took that okay. shot, if I'm not mistaken. But um, 
he's kind of making this slow diagonal jog towards the near post. And I think he's being shadowed by Stambouli, if I'm not mistaken. But between the Galatasaray player who plays this ball in, I want to say it was maybe Gary Rodriguez, um, there is Sebast- Sebastian Rudy and there is also um, – wasn't – why am I? Maybe it was. It might have been Nastasic actually. I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember who the players were. I apologize. It's like not interesting to listen to me just grasping for players' names. But um, <laughs> it was Rudy and, and, and Nastasic, I believe. And neither of them are marking anybody, and they're just sort of watching the ball. And Nastasic had plenty of time to be an extra body to 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 jump in front of that passing lane and deny a ball to the near post. Neither of them did that. I mean, they're not they're not hustling at all. They're just kind of like lightly jogging and uh, this ball gets played in. And uh, if it's not for, you know, blind luck by Newble being there, that's a goal. And you have to say that's, that's just bad awareness. I mean, you got to keep your head on this one, but you got to know where people are. You, I mean, you got to be active in the, you have two guys in the box that aren't making an effort to either put pressure on the person who's controlling the ball or cut off a passing lane to the person who's looking to receive the ball. It's, it's just, it's lazy. And it's the kind of stuff I don't think we were seeing that much of from this team last year that I've noticed um, a little bit more frequently this year. That's been a little bit concerning. Um, and then moving on to the kind of Planka chance. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's good play from Hamza Mendil who puts pressure on, I want to say it was Martin Linez. Um, and then uh, it forces kind of an errant back pass that kind of Planka jumps all over um, intercepts and he goes on this diagonal run kind of towards the box and uh, gets a good shot off. Um, Musilera just made an excellent cat-like acrobatic save. Um, I, I think maybe if kind of Planka had played that back across his body to the uh, the far left post, maybe he would have had a better better chance. But I mean, you can't really fault him for that. He didn't have too much of an angle. The defender was closing him down, and he got a good shot off. It was definitely on target. It just forced a fantastic save from Musilera. But yeah, that's what we love. I mean, like it seems like every time kind of Planka gets into a match, he has he has a couple of those opportunities. Now, once again, it's a little frustrating when he isn't able to. Um, you know, finish any of them off. But how often are you seeing people that aren't named kind of Planka get into those situations? Doesn't happen a lot, in my opinion. No, exactly. And uh, you know, you were actually right. Up. It was Dirty Aka. I got my players confused. Um, we've seen this now in back-to-back games between the Bremen game and then the Galatasaray game, leaving you know players who can score obviously wide open to take shots. Uh, obviously, Agassiz got the goals in the, in the Bremen game, and and then uh, and this one, Dirtyak, luckily was saved by the face of Nubel. There's lapses in 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 defense, which is the most troubling because we, like you said, we didn't have this last year, and this year they're giving up almost two goals a game. It seems like, and it's because of lapses like this where they they leave the wrong person wide open for a free shot, and nobody's making a save, nobody's attempting to get in the way or anything, throw a body down or anything. So it's it's confusing. Uh, why this is happening so much? Um, you would hope if if anything, it'd be the offense would be striking gold, and you know, but it's not anyway. Um, moving on to the second half, uh, really early in the second half, really Imbolo, who you know got in this one, he right I mean, in the first minute of of the second half, he really should have scored there. Um, in the in the, in the forty six, Jack, I thought there was a the opener for him, but uh, denied. Yeah, kind uh, of starts on the right hand side and kind of drifts left, and Mark Oot mirrors that and moves left as well, and that that starts sort of pulling. Um, what, it might I don't know if it was I don't think it was my comp, it was it was maybe one of the center backs. Um, starts kind of drifting to the left as well, kind of shadowing both those movements, and while that's happening, Imbolo comes from the left across to the right, making like an opposite run and, and attacks that space. And, and Mark Oot just plays this lovely through ball to him. Um, and he pretty much has a one-on-one with the goalkeeper, you should say. And, uh, you know, yeah, you know, Moose did a good job, came out, got big and, and put himself in a position to make a save. But in my opinion, that's a shot that Mbolo needs to finish. He needs to be able Absolutely. to pick something out there. Absolutely. Um, he needs to, you know, run around the goalkeeper and, and tap it, or he needs to pick out a better shot. I mean, <sighs> chances have been hard to come by for us this season, and, and that's, you know, a brilliant ball from Mark Oot, and uh, he's just got to do better. No, absolutely. If he wants to continue playing a striker. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead, go ahead. If I'm not mistaken, didn't that get deflected like right back to him and he had another opportunity yes. and missed that as well? Yes, yes. 
I think Somehow it was the clear ball. off the. I think it was cleared off the line or something. But still, I mean, you have you have two opportunities within a split second. Can't finish it, either of them. Um, yeah, I mean, disappointing. This is supposed to be kind of our premier talent, if you will, arguably, or maybe the guy with the highest ceiling that we're hoping is going to kind of develop into that. And uh, missed a diving header earlier in the match. Missed these two chances here. Not a good look from uh, from Mbolo. No, and it seemed like he was playing with a playing, trying to score with a golf ball or something. Because a few minutes later, maybe ten minutes down the road, uh, he gets another opportunity fed in front of the net. He has a wide open, gaping net, and takes a terrible shot that goes right back to Muslera of all people. And Muslera fumbles it, scores an own goal. We're like, yes, chalk up one nothing. However. It seems like a minute after that goal was scored, Jack, uh, it gets called back for offsides. Uh, was that the correct call for you? It was the correct call. I didn't notice it when it was happening live. Um, and I think the reason it was kind of frustrating is because, it, as you said, like it, that was a late decision, a very late decision. And, you know, there's no VAR in the Champions League, so you kind of wonder why it took so long for that decision to come in because it's not like, you know, they're talking to some sort of video official or anything. But, like, I mean, the celebrations have already essentially ended and the players have turned around and started walking back to midfield, and that is when the referee comes running into the box and waves it off for the offside decision. So very strange, the delay, but it is it is the correct call. Um, and you know what? Once again... There's no excuse from that from Mbolo. No, he's he's at the very kind of end of that line, so he can see pretty much every Galatasaray player um, that's making up that back line. So he knows exactly where that line is. He has to be better than that. And uh, that ball comes right to once again. It doesn't matter because it was waved off for offsides. That ball comes right back to his feet. He has to tap that into a wide open net, <laughs> and he can't even do that. He hits it right at Muslera. I know, like hits it at an angle, basically almost completely flat across goal. It's just it so five, frustrating. It was like, like ten feet away from him, too. I mean, yeah. I mean, even if that's going to get called for offsides, you have to just bury that. Like, what are you doing, dude? So frustrating. At least, uh, like you said, Schalke had plenty of uh, opportunities in this game. They did. They did put up a fight. Um, it's something we were not expecting, uh, especially the form considering Galatasaray were in. Uh, anything else from this game uh, stick out for you? Not really. I mean, I, I think, once again, I, I do think from an attacking perspective, this was probably Schalke's best game of the season. Um, yeah. Didn't have a ton of possession, but uh, seemed to do quite a bit with it. I think we had close to 20 shots, probably half of those on target. Um, and yeah, just more often, I mean, we, we talk so often about Schalke's inability to break teams down from open play. There was a lot of opportunities here where we, we, you know, players made good runs. We played a good ball through and we had strong opportunities in and around the box. Um, Muslera just played a great game and, and on a couple of occasions we, we bailed them out with some, you know, less than optimal shot attempts. But, you know, in, overall encouraging three games in the champions league, three games unbeaten, um, you know, two of those fir- uh, first three were were road games, and we did not lose either of those. So that's you know that's very promising. I'm still pretty optimistic um, in terms of our chances of advancing to the knockout stages with with how we've been playing in the Champions League. I think our Champions League play has been um, significantly better than our domestic form up to this point. Would you agree? I and I would agree, and the standings would agree with you as well. Uh, if you look at the group standings uh, so far. Uh, Porto sit in first with seven points. Schalke sit in second with five points. Galatasaray just behind them with four points. And then sitting alone in last is Lokomotiv with zero points. Um, yeah, once again, it's not even just the uh, like the table standings. It's the fact that, you know, that that Porto game, we should have won. Yes, I think absolutely. we we had the best. I mean, it was two bullshit penalties. Um, sorry, family program. And then uh, and then once again, this one, I mean, didn't do enough, but I think we were clearly the better team in this game and probably should have won this thing and on another on another day would have. So, um, you know, even even with those two draws, I think we played well enough to get, you know, a couple wins in those. So I think that, you know, the performances have arguably been even better than the results would suggest. Does it seem to you like the team is playing better in Europe than they are in Germany? Uh, in the Bundesliga, it seems like the, the way the games are being played they're playing better than they do in the Bundesliga. It just seems like, I mean, 
Porto, they played very well. Locomotive, they obviously got the win, a late, late winner there. And then Galatasaray, they had great opportunities. They just couldn't finish. Um, it, it seems like in the Bundesliga, they seem to be not as, as good as far as creating chances and getting... And yeah, getting and I'm position. not saying we played like very well against Porto or against sure. um, uh, Locomotive Moscow, but although I would say against Galatasaray, I think you could say that we played very well. I think that was the first game you could probably say that for us all season, but um, yeah, I agree. I think the play's been elevated. I don't know if it's a... There's so much pressure on the team it, domestically that they're like afraid to make mistakes. Their head is not fully in the game because they're thinking about sort of the context the game is taking place in or something along those lines. I don't know what it is. Or maybe, you know, when they're playing at home and in the Bundesliga, there's pressure from the home fans. I don't know. I don't know what the situation is, but it definitely seems like this is a more confident, um, more relaxed, um, just more dynamic team in these, in these European games. And that's, strange considering that they're taking place generally speaking on short rest and all this kind of stuff so um you know i hope we can kind of capture some of that form and bring it into the weekend matches absolutely and so we go from the champions league to the bundesliga matchup against leipzig and um yeah it's uh it was a game that that's the game i went to for the watch party yet um this this same fixture last year is where tedesco made his debut uh, obviously, then it was a two nothing win. The host. This would not be a repeat performance of uh, of last year. Uh, this game would end zero zero. Jack, uh, another another goalless affair. Uh, if we look at the lineup in this one, um, a slight tweak to what was used at the Champions League in midweek. Um, Nubel still playing and playing goal. Um, by the way, any update on on Ralph Fairman? I haven't heard any updates on him uh, on his uh, groin injury. I haven't either. Um, I might have just missed that. I, I don't think it's still considered to be any sort of long-term situation. Like, he may be back, um, if not safe. for the DFP Pokal match, maybe for the next Bundesliga match. Um, yeah, hopefully he won't be out too long. Uh, while we're on that subject, how do you think that Nubel has performed so far? I thought he's done. he's been done very well, actually. Um, he started out a little shaky. The first goal that he let up, uh, you could say that maybe Fairman could have saved it, but really it's more it comes down to the defense in front of him wasn't there to block either that goal or the second goal. Uh, but I think he's made some big saves in all the games he's played and positionally, and he's uh, he's been doing well. He's been controlling the defense very well. I, I, I like what I've been seeing. He's He's been very acrobatic as well, making... A uh, big leaping saves like across the net. So uh, I like what I've seen so far. How about you? Yeah, I'd agree. I think he's done um, pretty well considering the lack of playing time he's had up to this point um, and having to jump immediately into Champions League fixtures and the like. Um, I have been very impressed with his uh, his play with the ball at his feet and then also yeah. his distribution. And I, I think... Um, he's looked significantly better than Fairman in both of those areas. Now he hasn't been quite as confident. He's had some shaky moments, um, but um, yeah, I've been I've been impressed with him. And I think there's a couple areas of his game where he's like actually an upgrade over Fairman. I think if you combine Fairman's um, general decisiveness and, and pure like reflexes and shot stopping ability with um, uh, you know the the possession play of Nubel and his distribution, you'd have. Uh, a super keeper or something. So, but yeah, I mean, kid looks very promising and I, I think he's been totally, totally fine. Um, replacing Fairman. I haven't been, uh, nervous about him being in our goal. I'll say that, which I think is really sort of the ultimate baseline yes. test of a goalkeeper. Yes. Like when he's in your net, are you even thinking about that? And, and honestly, I haven't really been giving it that much thought beyond just being like, Oh, there's somebody else different back there, but it's not like, Oh man, you know, Nubel's playing today. Like you can't get him in too many one-on-ones, that sort of thing. Like I'm not, that's not really going through my mind. So no, I think I'm that's like probably a, an endorsement of him. Absolutely. And, uh, I don't remember if it was the Leipzig game or the Galatasaray game, but at some point in one of those games where he had the ball defensively and like the, the forward coming down on him, he just like nonchalantly like passes right by him to the defender or something like he's like, yeah, it's whatever. I, I can make this pass, no big deal. Well, yeah, if man, it was Fireman, yeah, if it was Fireman, I'd be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But you know, you have confidence with him. It seems like he knows what he's doing. He's he's not totally inept with uh with the with his foot or with his hand passes. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's good for him. Uh, if we're not thinking about him, 
only time, like you said, when we notice it's really him, it's when you're like, oh, wait, that's Nubel, not, not Fairman. So good on the kid there. Um, so the defense that was in front of him in that matchup, it was uh, Stambouli, Sane, Nastasic. In the midfield, we had Kalajiri, uh, Weston McKinney, Bentaleb, Serdar, and Mendel. And up top, you had Mbolo and then Mark Uth being slid back up to the uh, the attack in this one. Um, yeah, it's a different lineup. Uh, not too much, not too different, but there were some some tweaks in there. Obviously, the obvious one is Mark Uth going from the midfield to the attack. Uh, overall, how do you think this? How do you think this lineup did in this game? Yeah, I mean, really, the only thing of note in this game and the previous one is just you know the return of Benjamin Stambouli, which has been a very welcome. Um, addition yes. to our defensive options, but uh, yeah, beyond that, pretty standard. It's it's the three five two or the three one four two, whatever you want to call it, um, which is something that we've you know employed fairly regularly this season. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really much to talk about it from a, from a setup standpoint. If I was uh, if I'm not incorrect, uh, Stambouli was uh, captain for both games, wasn't he? Not was he not? I did not pay attention to that. He definitely wasn't a Champions League, but I don't recall in the in the Bundesliga fixture. I mean, I, I feel like it probably would have been Naldo, but Naldo wasn't playing in either of those ones, so I wouldn't right. be surprised if it was Stambouli, given that you know Fairman wasn't in goal. It certainly was not Nubel, but you know, hey, you know, the creature things. Are hey, he's got time. He's got time. <laughs> um, the obviously the worry man, the main one, I should say. There's several guys on on, um, on Leipzig. But the main guy is Timo Werner. The, the, the flopper. One, the flopper. Still not having to let that go, Timo. No, and we'll never will. Remember I that. remember. I still remember that. All right, we go all, ahead. We all remember that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he got things started early. Uh, he had a shot, uh, just missed high. But um, it's he's not a player that typically misses. So when you see it go over the net, you got to think a little bit of relief there because uh, he is one of the better strikers in the, and he's one of the best talents and one of the best strikers in the, in the Bundesliga for sure. Yeah, he's he's so dangerous because um, he's so versatile. The, the, he's not like you know just your typical sit in the box goal poacher, and he's not you know a winger. I mean, he he can really glide into any position on the pitch and play effectively from that position. He can be your target man. He can he can go out wide. I mean, he he really is. Um, difficult to keep keep hold of for that reason is he kind of moves around a lot throughout the course of a match and that was an example of him picking him uh, picking up the ball I believe on, on the left hand side and um, cutting into the right and trying to unleash you know a, a curler to the far post and uh, yeah didn't didn't really miss by much it was just right over the ball it was a good attempt from him early on uh, someone, and here's the other thing is he's one of those players every time I feel like I've interrupted you with here's the other thing like six times so far this podcast so I apologize <laughs> um, <laughs> he's one of those players every time he he shoots in that situation it looks like it might go in yeah like you're, you're fully confident that that's gonna be a dangerous attempt and so you're always holding your breath with that kind of thing it seems like more times than not that when he shoots it's gonna be on target as opposed to missing and so you're like when he misses you're like oh okay he's he is off on this one I'll take it I'll take it um, speaking of guys who Miss, um, Mbolo is a player who, he while he hasn't been hit the target this season, he has created opportunities. Uh, it seems like every time he's been on the pitch, uh, this game was no different. Um, he, he did get an opportunity with a header early on that missed just wide. It seems like he's getting in the right positions, he's putting in the work, but it's just the the final touch is just lacking. That's an awful miss. It that, is. I mean, that's not as bad as his the miss. The champion. One? Yeah, the Muslera one. I mean, that that is that's. A, I mean, that's a goal I would have scored um, <laughs> in all series. And there's not many things I can do on a soccer pitch <laughs> that you know that that pee wee soccer players can't do. Um, right. That's kind of the level I'm at. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, this this goal of uh, this attempt here, this Leipzig one, you got to put that away, man. You really do. I mean, there's people around him, but this is not a contested header. He goes up for this one cleanly. He's not fighting anybody off. Um, you know, he's not being muscled out of position. He's not having to jump over someone and try to get his head in. He goes straight up. He's untouched. He, he makes great contact with it. You know, it's a nice, solid header. He just plain misses it. And if he hits that, you know, almost anywhere on goal, that's going in. I mean, like he was he didn't have much time to, uh, you know, react to it. Uh, Galachi. I mean, like, yeah, it just got to do better. Um, once again, the limited chances for us for the vast majority of the season. When you have a clear cut chance like that, you gotta put that away. 
It seems like, and I don't remember which sport says this, it probably applies to all sports, but it's situational awareness. Knowing where you are on the pitch, knowing where the goal is, and knowing where you need to hit it to, to, to accomplish the goal, or at least give it an opportunity to try to score. And he seems to be lacking that. Um, How many headers did he miss over the course of these yes. two games? Like three or four? At least, I mean, yes. yeah, it, it wasn't just one. It was, it was, uh, it was a trend this past week. I mean, he's obviously got the nose for the goal because he's getting to the right positions. He's got the speed to outpace some of these defenders. It's just that final touch. It's just it's lacking, and it's it's frustrating because we see the potential he's had. We saw what he was when he was at Basel. Um, he's got the world of talent with him, but it just seems I've seen players, you know, players of the men's talent who have crumbled because their careers have been crumbled because they could not finish. And ultimately, yeah. as a striker or an attacker, you're made, you're, you're made or broken by how many goals you score, right? It's not how, how you play. Nobody ever says, oh, look at that guy who scored, uh, or who, who could go through everybody on the team, but he couldn't score for, you know, for shit. Excuse my French. Um, but it's, it's about the goal. People remember goals, and, and he's not getting them. And, and I don't know how much longer before the fans eventually say, you know what, I'm done with him, let's try somebody else, you know? Yeah, I mean, at some point, you're absolutely right. You just got to start putting up numbers, man. I mean, you look at Mark Oot this season, and he hasn't been scoring goals either, but he also really hasn't had that many opportunities. For him, it's been sort of a service thing. Um, and maybe you give Mbolo credit for getting open and getting into dangerous positions more regularly than anybody else, but it, it ultimately doesn't mean that much if you're not putting him away. And, you know, that's the same criticism you can levy on guys like Connor Plank or whatever, but... Um, yeah, I mean, if you truly are going to be that guy, you're going to be the man up front, which is what a lot of people thought and do think Mbolo has the potential to be, myself included. I've been high on him for a long time. You don't miss this many chances in, over the course of like two games. You, you put some of these away. These are, these are in my opinion, bad misses because, because they're wide open. They're not contested. It's one thing if you got people draped all over you and you know they're there you don't have an angle, this kind of stuff, but some of these misses were just completely unmarked, wide open, point blank misses, and you just can't have that at this level. No, and, and all it takes is for like uh, say a Skribitsky or a Twaker to come in, cash in on the opportunities, and then you're forgotten. And and that's the last place you want him to be in, in that position, be like the forgotten man. Because uh Tedesco and everyone else is looking for goals, a goal scorer. Uh, Bergseller is the proven one, but he's he's yet to to score this in this in the season, and maybe it's Uth who breaks that trend. Who knows? But Embolo's um, chances are dwindling, dwindling down, uh, and he's getting these great, great opportunities. I mean, not many guys can say they get great opportunities like Embolo. Embolo probably has some of the best opportunities in in this league this this year, and he just missing them. And he needs to, he needs to work on that, or he's gonna be uh, riding the bench somewhere, maybe not Chalco, but somewhere. Yeah, let's hope not. Um, so it would go into halftime zero zero. Second half started much as the same as the first half. It, it, it was quite a stalemate, Jack. Um, yeah, let, let me tell you, I, I was out until about four a.m. Sunday morning <laughs> on, on the heels of a Halloween party I was attending. This game did not help me wake up at all. <laughs> Good lord! If you want just boring anti-football, watch a Schalke match this season. Galatasaray performance, you know, aside, like. This is just some of the worst football to watch, probably in all of Europe. You'd have to say. I mean, it wasn't. It's, it wasn't much different last year, right? It was. It was boring, pragmatic. But they I got don't the know job done. Was, they got dude, the job I don't done. know if it was this bad. Yeah, I mean, it was they, drama they, last year. They got this they game. Got I mean, come on, dude! Like thirty-two percent possession, six shots, yeah. zero on target. Last time I checked. I mean, um, uh, friend of the show, or maybe maybe acquaintance of the show. Do we ever decide whether or not friend required two appearances on the show? I don't know if we ever. No, yeah. figure that out. Um, we'll say front of the show for now. Um, Abel yeah. Mezrosh post posted some stats from this thing. Schalke completed in this match against Leipzig twenty three passes in oh. the attacking final third. Okay, twenty three of seventy eight attempts is what this stat from Abel showed. Okay, Nuremberg in a six nil loss to Leipzig, six nil earlier in October this month completed more passes on less attempts in the attacking final third <laughs> than Schalke did. Nuremberg against Dortmund in a 7-0 loss completed 41 of 63 attempted passes in the final third. Schalke, 23 of 78. So the question I mean, that, is... That is, that, that is a non-existent 
offensive rhythm. That is a non-existent attack. Like, what are you supposed to do with those numbers? It's brutal for a team of Schalke's pedigree, a Champions League team at the moment. Like, it's it's just non-existent football. That's all you can say about it. It's so brutal. And it speaks to what I was talking about before in Champions League. They're getting these opportunities, but in Bundesliga, it's like they're not there at all. My only question is, when do we play Nuremberg? <laughs> I'm not even optimistic know if I want about to, that at this point. Know. Yeah, yeah, who knows? I, I mean, they'll, they'll get some payback for stealing all their players. Yeah, right. Uh, maybe we should start all Nuremberg players in that game because we got we got plenty of them. Maybe they can do something. Uh, back I, d- I do. Game. I definitely want to see a Bergstaller Toyker front two and against yeah. Nuremberg. You have to. You have to want that. Absolutely. Now, what's his name? Um, oh, the midfielder now. Schoff. Alexander Schoff needs to play too. So, uh, anyway, so going into the second half. Um, Speaking of missed headers, McKinney he had a he had a close header. I thought was going to go in. I think it went to the arms of the goalkeeper. Um, this game, you know, it's continued. Both teams had their their chances. Uh, I guess it's fair to say that Leipzig had the slightly better opportunities. Um, it looked like we finally going to get a goal in this one. And Polson he kind of broke the deadlock, uh, but it was ended up being called back for offsides. Jack, uh, after seeing the replay, is this something you agree with uh, that it was offsides on Polson? You know, I have to watch it again. I don't remember that play that specifically. Um, I, I feel like in the moment I agree with it, but I'd have to I'd have to go check that again. I think it was uh, it ended up being a good call. I think he was just slightly off. It wasn't as obvious as say the Embola one was in, in the Champions League encounter. Yeah, but certainly not. Yeah, that was like twenty feet off, twenty yards off offsides. But um, it was. I think it was ultimately the right call, and I think. Had it, you know, the hours obviously in, in the Bundesliga. So had they, the referee not get that, no, the linesman not got that, uh, VR would have stepped up and, and gave the call. But again, this is the way the season goes, you don't know if that's actually going to happen. So, um, yeah. <laughs> the game would end zero zero. Uh, I mean, really, was no not many highlights to, to talk about unless something stuck out of you, Jack. Uh, so here's the thing: I got a question for you. Sure. Um, is this just Tedesco's strategy against? Top sides in the Bundesliga, this top, long ball nonsense. Top this is what he did teams. This is what he did against Bayern Munich. I mean, yep. Schalke's play in this game was predominantly long ball based, and, and long balls are just inherently low percentage completion plays. You're, you're giving every time you do it, you know, m- maybe at best you have a 50 50 chance of maintaining possession on that. You're just give, you're like, you know, the other team has possession, you win it back, and then you immediately give it away. Um, it's so frustrating to watch these, like you know, these these attempted through balls and these attempted long balls at all times, and that seemed like just the bulk of what our what our strategy is, and it it doesn't work at all. I mean, the the play from Schalke in this game was so narrow; we had no width. Um, we didn't try to do you know expand the field. It was oh, we have it, boot it, see if somebody can run onto it. Um, and uh, it's it's just it's not that that's not football to me. No, I mean there's. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's periods of times in a game where that's that's a useful strategy, and yeah, you know, a couple times during a match, if you think you got an opportunity to catch someone sleeping, you want to play a pass like that. Yeah, go for it. But that cannot be, you know, your sort of default offensive game plan is is you know your head up and look for the long ball to play. It just it's it's stupid. It, I mean, it, you kind of have to feel like it's being directed. From Tedesco, because I, I find it hard to believe that on a game-to-game basis, I mean, you look at the Galatasaray game compared to this, that the players would change the approach that much just on their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, got, you have to feel like that's somehow coming down from the seems top. Calculated. It seems calculated for sure. Yeah, and I don't understand it at all. It's so frustrating, and it, it's it's not working, and it's, just, it's brutal to watch, man. You would think against a, one of these top teams, you want to try to find a way to own the possession – or at least make it equal as opposed to giving them more more possession. Uh, with Byron game was something like seventy to thirty or eighty to twenty or something, something crazy. Um, and it doesn't help by just giving the ball. They're going to get the possession in anyway, right? Don't give them more opportunity by just hitting long balls and letting them get a chance. Because like I said, twenty what is it, twenty two of seventy eight or something? Yeah, that's not good enough for any league. Uh, I mean, it's one thing if you want to if you want to cede possession, sit back defensively, and then try to launch counterattacks, but you know, counterattack is not the same thing as a long ball. <laughs> like, there's different yeah. ways to to try to accomplish that than just hoofing it downfield immediately. So, um, let's 
I sincerely hope that's not our strategy against Dortmund whenever we end up playing them. I don't know when that oh. game is, but like if this is a trend against top table teams, I mean, we're lucky that we weren't punished against Leipzig at some point in this and one. And the way Dortmund have been playing this year, it would not end well if that's the case. Um, we were just talking about Nuremberg, and uh, currently we sit 15th in the table, seven points from nine games. Uh, just ahead of us is uh, Nuremberg, who have nine points from nine games. So maybe it's not a good thing, the good thing to kind of face them right now. Um, so, um, yeah, Schalke have a a big week this week. We have a DFB Pokal on Wednesday against Cologne, uh, one of those teams that uh, is uh, a pain in pain in our, our rear ends. Uh, they always play us tough, no matter what. Uh, we do not have Max Meyer to bail us out with that uh, great header <laughs> like he had last year in the DFB Pokal. Uh, what are you expecting from this game against against Cologne on Wednesday on Halloween? Yeah, ten, they've kind of been our bogey team in recent campaigns. Um, it's you know it's a it's a local match. There's a lot of excitement for between the two clubs, um, so I expect it to be an, an intriguing affair. Hopefully, we can get some some goal scoring going. Um, I mean, Schalke at this point, to my knowledge, have the fewest goals scored this season. There may be people in the Bundesliga. There may be people, other people, there may be teams tied with us for that. But I think we have, you know, the lowest metric as far as that goes, which is pretty brutal. Um, And especially in, you know, these, these one-off games, um, you got to find a way to make things happen, knock in a goal and, and, and be able to advance that way. You know, these, these, these things don't end in draws. So, you're gonna to have to beat them eventually. We'll see how it goes. Schalke are tied for last in goals four with Mainz at five. Okay, through nine games. So, yeah. uh, and Cologne, uh, they are sitting in first place in this fight of Bundesliga right now. So uh, they're in good form, or they're at least in confidence. So uh, this game has all the makings of not ending well. But these are kind of games that. If Schalke plays like they do in the Champions League, uh, it could be a good result for them. But um, I fully expect it to go. Um, yeah, I mean, down I, to the wire. I would not be shocked at all if we get if we get knocked out of that competition. I would not too. Right now, yeah. And then to follow that up next weekend on Saturday, Schalke play against Hanover, one of the few teams that are below them in the table, um, but they're just just behind. Uh, that's going to be another game. Which Hanover is another bogey team for Schalke. Schalke has a lot of these bogey teams apparently, um, but Hanover has given Schalke trouble in the past before, and so yeah. again. It's going to be a tight affair, and I don't see it going to be. It's not going to be easy one. Not that they're ever easy for Schalke, it seems like. Uh, but you can see, you can see uh, Hanover coming around, coming out with a result in this one. Yeah, very different team from us in the sense that uh, much better offensively so far, and much worse defensively so far. So uh, should be an interesting matchup in that sense, I guess. Two teams with opposite strengths. Um, although I wouldn't really say that Schalke's defense has been a strength for them this season either. They, they haven't played that way that much. But um, actually, you know, that's that's actually really interesting. Now that I'm looking at it, Schalke actually does have one of the better defensive records in the Bundesliga this far, which is shocking to me. Maybe it's just the lack of goal scoring. It seems as like to have amplified our defensive problems. But well, that and Jorman scoring like seven goals a game on everybody. So yeah, that's that's definitely definitely true. <sighs> Anyway, Schalke fans, what did you make of uh, the matches against Galatasaray and Leipzig? And uh, do you have any predictions for either the Pokal match or against Hanover? Let us know at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. That means this this is going to wrap up. Uh, We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Bundesliga.com, Hurriet Daily News, The Daily News Egypt, and Complete Sports Nigeria for tidbits on our podcast today. Special shout-out to NBC4 Nashville as well. Jack, where can our followers find you on Twitter? I am more easily found than the articles that Richard manages to pull together. <laughs> Was it Complete Sports Nigeria? What is that? Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. That is J-M Mangan. Uh, yeah. Look forward to interacting with you on there. If you ever have questions that you want to, you know, topics that you want to have us discuss on the podcast, feel free to tweet me or Richard or the uh, the SO4 podcast handle, and we will be happy to discuss those for you. 
And uh, when I'm not creating these uh, fake websites for uh, I knew it. I, 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 I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> not true. Um, I am your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well and on Instagram and all that good stuff at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready and we'll be with you soon.